If you would take your Bible and turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> going to read the first four verses. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. The title of the message this morning is Revealed for Fellowship. Revealed for Fellowship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. The opportunity and privilege is ours to assemble here in peace and safety. We thank you, Father, for the privileges we have to have the Word of God in our own language that we can study to show ourselves approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I pray, Father, as we look into the word of God this morning, that we would allow the Spirit of God, who is the author of this book, allow him to search our hearts, to have his will and his way in our hearts. May we open our minds and our hearts to receive thy truth, that he might have his will and way, and that you might be glorified. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's two words that, as we think about, there's actually three. One of the things that is used, words, kind of words that are used over and over is uh, looked upon, seen, uh, manifested, show, and declare unto you. Verse 3 talks about declare. The word show in verse 2 and the word declare in verse 3 come from the same Greek word. Now, when we think of show, we don't think necessarily of words being spoken. But in this instance, in this case, it is basically the same. The meaning of the word show and declare means to make known openly, to lay open, to bring the word, lay open the word. And, of course, he's, John is writing... Uh, to the early churches, and one of and he of course the, one of the things that was prevalent in this day it was starting to rear its head was Gnosticism and those that believed that Jesus didn't rise literally bodily from the dead, and so this is kind of a contradiction to that to confront that, and so he's he's declaring he's showing and telling us that God revealed the Son and, and the, the the context or the really the theme I think of First John is fellowship. He's revealed the Son of God, so that man might have fellowship with God. Fellowship is not automatic. Not everyone has fellowship with God. Not everyone has a relationship with God. But it is possible. This is why God brought the Son into the world, to make Him known. And, and he, he, is, he has made it known. It isn't something He tried to hide or to keep from people. In fact, in 
And I'm going to look at a few verses here. In John chapter 16, John chapter 16, and verse 25, the Bible says, These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. And I would ask you this morning, you know, if, you, if you've read the Bible carefully and, and, and considered the things that are written therein, did Jesus hide who he was? No, he didn't. He didn't hide who he was. He spake to some in Proverbs because they refused to hear. But he did not hide who he was. He said, I and my father are one. Before Abraham was, I, I am. That's very revealing. And Jews knew what that meant. That's why they picked up stones to stone. Jesus did not hide who he was. In fact, in John 18, verses 20 and 21, he's before uh, the, 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 the high priest, and Jesus answered him, this is the high priest, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, where the Jews all resort, in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. They know what I said. You know, in Acts chapter 1, when Luke writes the book of Acts, in verse 3 he says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So, so he showed himself alive. After, this is, of course, after his resurrection. He showed himself alive with many infallible proofs, things that cannot be discounted or discredited. In chapter 10, Peter, when he's before Cornelius, speaking to Cornelius, in chapter 10, verses 39 and 40, he says this, And we are witnesses of all the things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Showed him openly. And again, in chapter 26, when Paul was standing and giving his testimony for King Agrippa, in Acts chapter 26, in verses 22, through 26, he says, Having therefore attained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none of the things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and, show, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. So when John writes, he's, he's emphasizing the fact that God revealed to us, God revealed to mankind, the Son of God, and He revealed it for fellowship. So we're going to notice several things here this morning. I've got two main points, really. First of all, the revelation of Christ. The revelation of Christ. And we see this, and I want to notice a couple of things for, for us uh, uh, about this. First of all, He reveals to, him the etern- reveals to us the eternal Son of God. Again, in verses 1 and 2, that which was from the beginning... 
from the beginning. So from the very beginning of time, this one was. That's what John's saying. From the beginning of time. So he was in the beginning. You know, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So that which we have, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon Him, our hands have handled of the Word of life. For the life was manifested, we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. So this is the eternal one. This is the eternal one that is from the beginning. You know, we can't, we can't fathom, we can't measure eternity. We don't know how to measure that. But God dwells in eternity. From eternity past to eternity future, that's where God dwells. We dwell in this little box we call time. And so John's trying to describe to us who Jesus is, and he said he's from the beginning. What's the beginning? Well, somewhere in eternity. Not when God made the heaven and the earth. That's the beginning of time. But he was before that. That's what he's saying. He's before that. He's eternal. This is the eternal Son of God. You remember Genesis 1. The Bible tells us, God said, let us make man in our image. So we're talking about God the Son, or God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible does say the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. So we're talking about the Godhead, this one God manifested three persons, but the Son of God, therefore, was in the beginning when God was there and made the world. He was there. They were there. They were there. The three persons of the Godhead. He was with the Father. And we know that John 3.17 tells us, For God sent not his Son to the world. And so God sent his Son into the world. That word sent there means to go to a place appointed, to send him away to a place appointed. The Son, as you see, was not born. He was sent. As Isaiah 9.6 read this morning, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is is given. See, the son wasn't born. The child was. The body in which he dwelled was born, but he was sent to indwell that body. Because he is eternal. He is from the beginning. This is the eternal son of God. The eternal son of God. And, you know, Jesus made reference to this and made this plain over and over again particularly in the Gospel of John. You know, the, each Gospel has an emphasis. Matthew has his emphasis, the king of the Jews. Mark is the servant of man. Uh, Luke is the son of man. The emphasis of John is he's the son of God. And in John, we see this in John, over and over Jesus uses those two little words, I am, I am, I am. In John 7, Verse 28 and 29. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. Then they sought to take him, but no man lays hands on him because those hours not yet come. So, so he says, I know him, and I am from him. What's he saying? I am 
from God. I am God. And, of course, their response shows that's what they took it to mean. They wanted, they wanted to kill him. John chapter 8, uh, verse 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, and here it's very plain, you can't miss it, I am. You remember when Moses asked the Lord, Whom shall I say sent me? And he said, You say, I am has sent me. I am God. I am the self-sufficient one. I am the, 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 the creator of heaven and earth. See, I am. And Jesus said, I am. Then they took up stones to cast at him, and Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. In John chapter thir- uh, 30, again, he says, I and my father are one. Then the took, Jews took up stones again to stone him. You know, in John chapter 20, and you know, we would look at many other places. John chapter 20, verses 27 and 28. Uh, again, then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. In one of the other writings of the Apostle John in Revelation, chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. And then he says, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come. He's present, he's past, he's future. And then it says, the Almighty. He's the Almighty God. Chapter 4. Again, Chapter 4, verse 8, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, is, and is to come. That's, again, a clear reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, who was, who is, and is to come. And they call him Lord God Almighty. <coughs> Excuse me. And, of course, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, you know, John is declaring here, or, or showing to us, or revealing to us, that Jesus is the eternal Son of God. In fact, that's a prominent theme throughout this book. For example, look at chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 22 and 23. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. If you deny that Jesus is the Christ, the word Christ is, has the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, and he is. And, and if you deny that Jesus is the Christ, that he is God, that person that denies that is antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Chapter 4, verse 3. Here, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. So there are already at this early date people who are denying the, the deity of Jesus Christ. Denying that he was the eternal son of God. 
Now again, again, chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. So he's saying, that, you know, the, as we see here, the revealing of Christ, we, we see him revealed as the eternal Son of God. We also see him revealed as the Son of Man. As a man. You notice in verse 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness unto you, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested or revealed to us. Now, we know that the Bible says in several places, no man has seen God. When Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, he said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in the spirit and truth. However, no man has seen God, but the Son hath revealed him. The Son hath revealed him. The Son hath revealed him as a man in flesh. God. You know, great was the mystery of Godliness. God was manifest, revealed in the flesh. So not only was he the Son, or is he, I shouldn't say was he, is he, because he still is. You know, he hasn't changed. He still is. And he will always be this. He is the Son of God. He is eternal. And he is the Son of Man. Now, he became a man at some point. He wasn't always a man. He became a man when he was born in a manger and dwelt among us. Again, this, John is writing this, I believe, to combat Gnosticism, let's say that Jesus was a ghost. He was just a spirit. No, he's not just a spirit. You know, one day you're going to see him. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, one day you're going to see him in a body that has scars and marks in his hands and his feet. And you're going to know that this is that Jesus. This is Jesus Christ. God that was manifest in the flesh. The word manifest means to show oneself to be plainly recognized. You know, when he showed himself to Thomas in John chapter 20, he was plainly recognized. Thomas, you know, the one that said, lest I thrust my hand into his, uh, see the, the, the wounds in his hands and thrust my hand in the side, I will not believe, he said. And when he, when he saw the Lord, he said, my Lord and my God. And John says over and over again, we heard him. We saw him. We touched him. We have seen it. We've seen living proof that he was, is God, man. He's not just a carpenter from Nazareth. But he was a man. In John chapter 4, he's coming to Samaria, and they come to the Jacob's well there in Sychar. And the Bible says this, in Jesus being weary... God doesn't get weary. God's a spirit. But Jesus got weary because he was a man. And he sat on the well. He was weary. In John, and again, I, I go to John's gospel because you know John is reaffirming all these things that he has seen that he has seen and heard and, and, and he repeats them over and over again in John chapter 4 verses 28 and 29 
or I'm sorry, John chapter 4, and, and verse uh, 12, the woman says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered, said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. And then in, in chapter and in, in verses twenty eight twenty nine says the woman then left her you know so he explains who he is tells him that he is the Messiah and she says and it says in verse twenty eight then the the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men come see a man a man that's told me all things that ever I did is not this. The Christ. Is not this the eternal one? The Messiah. But he is a man. He is a man. In John chapter 6. He multiplies the bread and the fish. And he eats. You know men eat. Men like to eat. And men, men and women. Boys and girls have to eat to live. He ate. Just like a man. Then he said, I am the bread of life. He that come to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. In John chapter 9, he heals a blind man. But at verses 29 through 33, and then in verse 38, verse 29, it says, We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, so he was a man, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto him, Why, herein is a marvelous thing. That ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. You know, this, this blind man's instructing these Pharisees about who Jesus is. Look, he is a man, but this man could do nothing if he were not of God. He couldn't heal me of my blindness. John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, but the good shepherd giveth his life. You only, you know, God can't die. He's a spirit. But a man can. And the man gave his life for sheep. But John, in John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. But in John eleven thirty five, 35, as a man, he weeps at the grave of Lazarus. In John chapter 13, as a man, he serves. He serves his disciples. He washes their feet. He washes their feet. In John chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, when they come to arrest him in the garden. And he asked, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus. And he said, I am he. And of course, they all went and fell down, went and fell backward on the ground. And again, he said, whom seek ye? And they said, and so he said, I am he. And then he allowed them, as a man, 
He allowed them to take him. As God, he allowed them. But as a man, he submitted himself. You see, these things, we could go over and over, that Jesus, not only was he the eternal son of God, he was from the beginning, but he was also a man. He suffered. He suffered from the consequences of sin just like you and I. You know, he could have. Because he was a king. Because he was God. He could have lived in a palace if he wanted. He could have snapped his fingers like a, like a genie and, and, and provided all the things that he wanted at his fingertips. But no, he lived as a poor man. He said, foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man hath not the where to lay his head. See, he suffered the fruits of the curse of sin upon himself as a man. And furthermore, he took that curse of sin upon himself in giving his life as a man. As the Roman soldier said, truly this man was the Son of God. But he was a man. A man sent to die for our sin. A man sent that we might have fellowship with him. And so he's revealed to us as the Son of God and the Son of Man, but that requires a response from his creatures. You notice, I want to notice two things here, first of all. There needs to be acquaintance with him, and then we're going to secondly look at acceptance of him. Acquaintance with him, that means we need to understand who he is. Again, verses 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, we have seen it, and bear witness unto you, bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. So he says, we've heard, you know, our ears heard the words of truth. The word here means to cons- that we, ought to con- we need to consider, we need to perceive what is said. You know, when, when uh, John spoke to his disciples and, and, uh, and, and pointed to Jesus, said, Behold the Lamb of God, and, and Andrew heard him speak and followed Jesus. In other words, he perceived or considered what was said and acted upon it. In John chapter 3, verses 32 and 33... John chapter 3, verse 32 and 33. Again, this is a testimony of John concerning him. He says, And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. Now, you might think there's a contradiction here, because the next verse says, He that hath received his testimony. But, but what this means is, No man hath received his testimony. His flesh and blood doth not reveal this unto you. You remember in Matthew chapter 16? Jesus says to his disciples, Whom do ye say that I am? 
And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. But verse 33 here says, He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. You know, when a person opens their heart to perceive or consider and receive the truth and listen to the truth, God gives understanding. But when you close your mind, as the Pharisees did, or you perceive that you don't like what he has to say, or for some other reason, you don't want to accept it, you will not understand. Because it's the Spirit that gives understanding. The Spirit of God. That works in the heart. So we need to consider it. We need to perceive what is said. He says, we have seen with our eyes. To see, the idea here is to see with the mind, to know, to experience. You know, John is saying, you know, we saw it all happen. How can you deny it? You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees at one point, the works that I do testify of me. How can you deny who I am? You have seen it. You've seen evidence of it. How can you deny that? You know, how, and as we consider the word of God, and God cannot lie, and this record is true, how can you deny who the Son of God is as you read the words of Scripture and hear them and see the things that He has done? They looked upon Him. That means they gazed. I mean, they really, they, they really scrutinized Him closely. And you know what, the more man scrutinizes the Lord, the more convinced he's going to be, if he's honest, that he is who he says he is. You know, I think shared, I don't know if it was last week, a couple weeks ago, about Lee Strobel, who was an investigative reporter, set out to prove Jesus was a fake because his wife got saved. He's got proved to her. The more he examined the evidence the more convinced he became that Jesus was who he said he was. Came to trust him as his own Lord. Um, Josh McDowell, same thing. Studying law. Challenged concerning the person of Christ. Set out to prove that he was a fake. And as a result of his investigations, written several books. One's called More Than a Carpenter. And the other is Evidence That Demands a Verdict. There's undeniable proof that Jesus is the Christ, that he is who he said he was. John says, furthermore, we have handled him. We've touched him. You know, Mary washed his feet. John leaned in his breast at supper. In John chapter 7, or John chapter 20, verse 16 and 17, Mary's at the tomb trying to find Jesus, looking for him, and Jesus appears to her and and, and, she, and, and, and he says to her, touch me not. You know, you can't touch a ghost. He had a body. And you know, for us to be in fellowship with God, we have to know, have some knowledge of who he is. You know, Revelation 1.7 says, every eye shall see him. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that he was seen above 500 brethren at once. So there needs to be acquaintance with him. Secondly, but furthermore, 
for fellowship, there has to be an acceptance of him, who he is. Verses 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. Notice, you may have. It is possible. It's not automatic. Not every person has fellowship with God. But it is possible. And it is desired of God. That is the purpose for which God made man is for fellowship. So he said, you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So there, there needs to be an acceptance of him, acceptance of him, of who he is. That he is the Son of God. That he was made flesh. That he is the Savior of mankind. He must be received. The idea of fellowship with God, you know, fellowship, the word fellowship means association, joint participation. You know, to, and a fellowship implies or requires that you have a relationship of some kind. You don't have, you don't have fellowship with people you don't know. That you don't know. But that is kind of the contradiction of the emergent church movement. I was, my wife picked up a book yesterday at the library about the emergent church written by, it's, it's titled, Why I'm Not in the Emergent Church. And then the subtitle is, By Two Guys Who Should Be. <laughs> and, and they're saying that, you know, the, the church talks about their, their emphasis on relationship, but it's all this way. They emphasize relationships, but God is, there's no, there's no, sure thing or, or uh, attribute of who God is. You know, you can have your own idea of who God is as long as you have relationship with the, this way. That's, that's, the, that's kind of the philosophy of the emergent church. You know, God is not absolute. He's not, he's not uh, um, immutable. You know, you, he's not a some set of doctrines. Well, that's what the Bible teaches about God. He's unchangeable. Well, see, you can have varying ideas of who God is as long as you have relationships with, with, quote, God's people. Well, that's a false gospel. It's like the high places in the children of Israel. Anyway, no, we must know who he is. Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering. You see, the power of his resurrection, again, implies that he is the son of God. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.9 says that he has called us unto fellowship. We are saved. he's called us unto fellowship. He's called us into association with him, into joint participation with him. Look at Luke chapter 5. We see an example of this in Luke chapter 5 of joint participation or we would, something the Bible would call fellowship together. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret, saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have told all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when he had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners see these were working together they were in association they were in joint participation and really what you see here is Jesus joining in participation with Peter and Andrew 
using their boat as a pulpit to preach the word of God. And you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and see, that's what we're called to. We're called to joint participation or fellowship. That's what fellowship is. Joint participation with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, it says, Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we, that is all of us, are laborers together with God. We are in joint participation. We are in fellowship with God. We've been called to work together with God. But that's not possible without a relationship. That relationship, we're talking about salvation through Christ. But God desires this fellowship. John chapter 4, verse 23. Again, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, the Father seeketh such to worship him. In other words, God is seeking. God is looking for. He's searching for people who will fellowship with him. He desires fellowship with you. But it's going to require an acceptance of who he is. And receiving of himself as your Lord and Savior. The fruit of all this is joy. In verse 4 it says, These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. See, God made man for one purpose. That is fellowship with God. You think about every man or nation, we can look at a nation of Israel, that God chose as his own. Why did God chose Moses? To fellowship, to join with him together in his purpose. And his purpose was to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. So Moses was chosen to join in with God's purpose of leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. Or we could say, God chose Moses to fellowship with him. Fellowship has the eye of joint participation in his work. The nation of Israel was chosen to be a witness to the nations. They were chosen by God to be a witness, to testify the nations around them about himself. So God, God desires for you to join with him, to enter into fellowship with him, to participate in his work. The work of his body, the church. It's his body. So the question is, do you have that fellowship? Have you received him as he is, your Lord and Savior? 
or for some reason have you closed your mind because he is not what you perceive he should be. Do you know why the Pharisees didn't receive him? Because he wasn't what they perceived he should be. What did Pilate say to them? He knew that they brought him for envy. See, he didn't suit their agenda. We can't come to God with a presumed agenda. We're not to come to the scriptures with a predisposed agenda of what they mean. We're let the scriptures speak for themselves. We're let God speak for himself. And we're simply to accept what he says. We're simply to accept who he is. You know, God desires fellowship with you. But the question is, will you receive him for who he is? That's going to require a denying of yourself and taking up his cross. A willing denial of yourself. Are you willing to follow him? You know, many will not follow him because of the cost. There is a cost. There is a cost. We must die to self. We must realize that it's not our way, it's his way. And receive him as he is in truth. Our Lord and our Savior.